I always say to people, we, we have this idea that acceptance is the opposite of change. Actually, it's not. Acceptance is not the opposite of change. It's the beginning of change. Once you accept that you have a problem, once the people around you accept that you have a, a problem that you're a little out of control of, that's the moment that you can actually begin to change. So as a spouse or a family member, accepting that this is a problem is not saying it's okay, it's not condoning it, it's not the opposite of change. You just heard our guest on Focus on the Family last time talking about spouses or family members who would do well to understand that by loving and accepting their loved one, even though they're struggling with pornography addiction, without heaping on shame and guilt, they're essentially taking a step closer to helping the healing process. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Alison Schnell and our host is Focus on the Family Africa's CEO, Graham Schnell. Well, Alison, we had a great discussion last time with Claire Moore just talking about pornography addiction. And I think she did a great job to help us understand the difference between addiction and the use of pornography. We understand pornography itself is bad, it's wrong, it's harmful. Uh, but the way we approach it is different depending on whether the person is addicted or not. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I loved listening to Claire's uh, explanations of, of the differences. But, uh, yeah, she just demystified some of the things that I think we've all believed in the past. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from her again because there's so much more that she can shed light on. So we're really happy to have Claire back in the studio with us. Welcome, Claire. Thank you. Well, I've got some research stats just as we, we begin this program. And this was from the Barna Group, who are a Christian organization, but a professional research agency in the United States. They published some research a few years ago. Um, and there's a lot of, lot of detail here. But Christian men between 18 and 30 years old, 77% look at pornography at least monthly. 32% admit being addicted to pornography. And then the statistics for, for Christian men ages 31 to 49, 64% view pornography at least monthly. 18% admit being addicted to pornography. Um, and to me, that just highlights the prevalence of this issue. It is a very real issue, probably one of the biggest issues facing family in our day and age, partly because of the accessibility, but it has got so much deeper roots than just that and so Claire it's so great to have you back on the program and I think as we begin this next program really want to delve into the family how it is affecting the family and certainly how, how we can treat it better from a family perspective and I know last time we spoke a lot about um, the approaches and how when we just continue to add shame and guilt to a person who is addicted to pornography it only feeds that addiction. It doesn't stop it. Um, and so we want to talk about it within the context of a family. Uh, marriage therapy, if we can call it that. How do we deal with this issue of pornography as a unit, as a family unit? Uh, help us understand what marriage therapy is. So, I mean, first thing to say is that I think marriage therapy is absolutely essential when you're dealing with an issue of pornography addiction. I think that both marriage therapy and individual therapy for the person who is addicted to the pornography is important. I think it's important to bring in the, the spouse because so much of this can not only create conflict 
in the marriage, you know, oftentimes resulting in divorce. But it can also, you know, responses from the spouse can either support or add to the addiction. Now, I want to be very clear to say that that the person's addiction is definitely not the fault of the spouse. It Mm. is definitely not due to any lack in the spouse, but certainly their responses can be helpful or unhelpful in the process of the addiction. Yeah. So, you know, the the, the, the marriage counseling would, would be for the purpose of that, as well as to just assist the spouse. You know, this can be a very painful thing to find out mm-hmm. about your spouse, and it can create a, 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 a deep sense of hurt in the spouse. It can mm, cause self-esteem issues, betrayal, all those sort of things. And it's important also that that spouse receives some support in their own dealing ability to deal with with that issue. Mm. What about the understanding of tough love? Uh, We talk about that even with parenting um, for a a wife to say this is not acceptable. And so, you know, I'm drawing a line here. Um, How does that how does that play out in this kind of scenario? So there are a lot of situations in with which tough love works very well. But as a general rule, tough love does not work well in situations of mental health issues, diagnosable disorders. Um, and we would always advise parents or, or anybody to not use tough love in in situations of actual diagnosable mental health issues. Yeah, including addiction. Including addiction. Yeah. What can happen if one applies that sort of tough love strategy is that one, by doing that, one is increasing consequence. Mm. By increasing consequence, by increasing um, guilt, you can actually add to the cycle of addiction. Now, the cycle of addiction is a situation where addiction is generally caused by a a person requiring that behavior or substance in order to cope. Mm -hmm. That, in this case, pornography then becomes the person's primary coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And they're coping with this deficiency that they have, this negative emotion uh, that's then fueled by the shame and guilt. Is that correct? So the moment that the person actually experiences negative emotion, the first thing that they want to do is turn to pornography. Mm. So actually what we want to be doing is decreasing negative emotion, not increasing it with shame and guilt and consequences. Just as a, on a somewhat of a sidebar, if, if the husband is asking or demanding of the wife to to play out in their sexual relationship things that that he's been exposed to um, that's an area where the wife can and should draw the line I would imagine I mean absolutely and that applies to any relationship whether the person is involved with pornography or not in the case of pornography what we do see is an escalation over Mm -hmm. time a person often moves from you know viewing of pornography into a desire to act out um, those situations either online we're finding a lot of amateur pornography being exchanged as part of the acting out we're finding a lot of chat room kind of situations as part of the acting out Mm -hmm. but that acting out can sometimes want to enter the actual relationship Mm -hmm. and yes I think that anything that a partner, a spouse, whether that's wife or husband, is not comfortable with in the bedroom, they should feel absolutely, you know, justified to to draw that boundary. Mm. 
if that's causing conflict in the marriage, then of course, you know, marriage therapy can be a wonderful way to to talk about that, to learn communication skills, mm. to find compromise yeah. um, within what is comfortable for sure. for the spouse. So marriage therapy, and and I think you make a good point when you say this, the spouse. We we understand that um, this can be an addiction for women and men, right. um, and sometimes we we tend to generalize, and and I think somewhat fair to generalize that it's more commonly the man. But we do acknowledge that there are women that are being addicted to to pornography. But let's use the example of the husband that is addicted to pornography. Um, how do you get the wife on board? Uh, how do you get her to, to recognize, first of all, that she has a, a role to play, um, that that role isn't adding shame and guilt because it's only going to uh, make the problem worse? Um, how do you help her get past that feeling of betrayal and hurt uh, to be someone who can be that partner, that teammate that can actually help her husband get through this? Absolutely. The very first step in that process would be to validate the wife's feelings. It is absolutely normal for a wife to feel hurt, to feel betrayed, um, to to feel somehow lacking, um, to feel not good enough. And it's really, really important to acknowledge that those feelings are very real and that she is entitled to those feelings. But then once those feelings have been acknowledged, you can actually begin to help that wife to let go of those feelings by helping her to understand that the pornography addiction is not due to any sort of lack Mm -hmm. in her. In fact, probably it preceded the marriage most often, Um, probably whatever actually is psychologically contributing to the, the addiction has been very, very long term. Mm. Um, And so, you know, once the wife begins to understand that it's not that she's not attractive enough, it's not that she's not fulfilling her husband's needs, it's not any lack in her, that is a very big first step in helping that wife to come on board with the process. Mm. Then helping her to understand what addiction is. And First of all, helping her perhaps to see that that this person can be diagnosed with an addiction mm. and then helping her to to see that cycle of shame that we mentioned a moment ago, see how that cycle of shame operates so that she can see how she could actually be supportive in that process. Mm. Mm. And, and give us an example of that. I know maybe not using... Uh, actual couples in your practice uh, because of confidentiality but hypothetically um, talk us through that scenario when it works Mm. when when a wife does get on board we know that it's not going to be necessarily completely smooth sailing from that there are very often lapses as there are uh, with many other kinds of addiction Um, but but when the spouse is on board when the 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 friends are on board the Mm. family the church, the community, um, how can how can that play out in a way that leads to healing and, and coming free from this addiction? Mm, absolutely. And, and I have seen this work many times um, with couples that I have dealt with in my practice. You know, one of the wonderful things that, that happens when you're able to work with a couple together is that you can improve communication and connection between the two of you. Mm. You can actually get them talking about the problem so that now the husband or, or wife, as the case may be, has a space in which to talk about what they're feeling. Mm. Um, 
you can create a situation where actually when the the person who's addicted to the pornography goes into a craving state, which is when they would really be, be driven to look at that pornography, that they can actually phone their spouse or, or make contact with their spouse. And, you know, I found that, that very often if you look at the neurology, um, when a person becomes addicted to pornography, their sexual response becomes divorced from their their sexual partner and becomes tied to pornography so my thinking is if we can every time that sexual response is activated if we can retie that back to the spouse we might actually be able to create a neurological change mm. so that that sexual response actually is 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 retied back to the spouse rather than the pornography yeah. so you end in a situation where actually you know Instead of turning to the pornography, you're turning to your spouse as, instead. Sure, mm. sure. And you've seen that. Have you seen cases where, where when, when you're able to remove that guilt and shame, to stop that cycle of the negative emotions leading to further pornography use, um, that you can actually, by, by getting everyone on, on board uh, and helping to, to be that support structure, um, that you can create that that neurological change because because ultimately that is what's happening in the brain. There's there's neurological changes that take place because of the pornography addiction, but you can somewhat reverse that. Mm. Well, this is this is my own personal theory. <laughs> <laughs> it I have seen it working. Um, you know, I mean, at at present, obviously the the cases are not huge numbers, um, mm. but I'm seeing very promising results mm. in that. And marriages staying together. I mean, right. that's we're about marriages staying together, and and recognizing that this is a, a major issue, um, and we we hope to to do what we can to stop it before it happens. Certainly, right. uh, but but if it's there, mm. how do we actually try and bring resolution mm. while keeping the marriage together? Absolutely, um, and a, a, an important part also of keeping the marriage together is about warning the spouse that lapses are so likely and so possible. Most um, spouses, usually wives, have the misconception that once the person stops, that's it. Mm. They've stopped and it's the end. Yeah. And in reality, if we are dealing with an addiction, lapse is an almost inevitable part of that process. Mm. So what happens when people don't realize that is that when that lapse happens, the betrayal happens all over again. Yeah, the, it's deeper. The, the deceit mm. happens all over again. The, the pain is twice as bad as it was before. Whereas, oh, and, and of course the person wants to lie about it because they're aware that, that this is going to cause so much pain. And, and then, you're, you know, you now have deception on top of actually the pornography uh, mm. viewing. Whereas when the spouse is aware that the lapses are possible, it is easier for the person who's addicted to the pornography to come to their spouse and say, this is what's happened. Mm. I've had a lapse. Yeah. We need to talk about it. Mm. It creates a situation where those lapses can become absolutely invaluable learning opportunities. Every time a person has a lapse, you can go back to that lapse. You can look at what was the trigger, mm. what actually happened in your mind, what was the thinking, where were your points of choice, when could you actually have changed your thinking, how can you do this differently mm. the next time around. Yeah. And that is what is going to help to 
to actually prevent those lapses and make them more and more infrequent. Yeah. But of course, if those lapses are associated with, with, with shame and guilt and, and are hidden away, they never become those learning opportunities. Mm. I think the key for me in all of this is that idea of guilt and shame. And, and right. And I understand it, um, and I think it's been the history of this that we associate guilt and shame with pornography, uh, but understanding that when it's an addiction, mm. we have to try and remove that guilt and shame in order, or at least as much as possible, recognizing that the issue of pornography is still wrong and harmful, uh, but that it's not, it's not who the person is, it's right. not their character. Um, and we can try and get people to understand that we can remove that negative emotion to help prevent uh, relapsing or lapsing. How do we do that in a culture that that sees or, or that covers this issue of pornography in guilt and shame? What are what are some of the things that we can do? I just see maybe Christian leaders standing up and speaking out more mm. about the fact that they've been addicted. I think even of Alcohol Anonymous, where they kind of own it. Mm. I am so-and-so, and I am an alcoholic, and I've been clean for this long, but I'm owning the fact that I've struggled with this and I've come through this. Mm. Um, do you think that's what's needed to try and help remove some of that guilt and shame? The way I see it, if we can see that pornography viewing is a behavior that does not define who a person is, we can reduce the shame that's associated with it. And if we can reduce the shame, we can get people to actually stand up and step forward. Mm. You know, we we see with within things like Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, NA, it is the people who've been through this that have the most power in actually fighting mm. for people who are struggling with this addiction. Yeah. The people who've been through this are the ones that understand the best. They are able to empathize in a way that perhaps most people are not. And I think in the situation of pornography addiction, a lot of people are kept silent yes. by the entire culture of guilt and shame that, that we have around it. If we can change our attitudes to pornography addiction, if we can see it as an addiction, if we can see it as a behavior that, that needs to be changed but does not define a person, I think a huge army of people are going to be able to step forward in the fight against pornography. It's really important to help people distinguish between guilt and remorse. Mm. People often see those two things as one and the same, but they're quite different. Remorse is, is a feeling of being sorry for something. It's a feeling that you recognize that that thing is, is wrong, that you mm. don't want to repeat that behavior, yeah. that you need to change it, you want to change it, you're motivated to change it. Yeah. Guilt, on the other hand, is that feeling when the behavior is able to attack the self. When we allow a, an idea that a behavior is wrong to make us believe that we're not good enough on the inside. Mm. And there's been quite a lot of research that has actually shown that it's very, very helpful to separate behavior from person, mm. particularly, and there's been some research specifically in pornography addictions sure. around this issue, that if we can actually say this is a behavior, mm. we don't condone the behavior, you may be remorseful about the behavior, that is a good motivator for change. But when mm. that person turns that into guilt, yeah. when they start to believe that that behavior makes them a not good enough person. Yeah, that's who they are. Makes, yeah. you know, when they begin to feel that the pornography addiction defines them, mm. Mm. it pushes them into guilt and back into the cycle of addiction. Yeah, sure. Well, 
What about our kids? Because we're talking marriage and family, and we recognize that this is something that's affecting our our children as well. Uh, some of the stats there again, huge numbers of kids that are are exposed to pornography at an early age, very often not going looking for it. It's something that finds them rather than they finding it. Um, do a lot of the same approaches apply to children and, and what are the things that we can do even just to try and prevent this in our homes? So certainly um, children being exposed to pornography is incredibly damaging. Um, research suggests that the earlier the exposure, the more damaging it is for the child. And we do live in a world where exposure to pornography is very difficult to prevent. Certainly there are a lot of um, adult content blockers that one can use um, to put onto your, your router, your computer, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever it is. But research is showing us that actually this does not prevent children from being exposed to pornography. Oh, really? So whilst we should absolutely do everything we can to prevent that exposure, I think we also need to talk to children about Mm. what pornography is. Mm. We need to start um, probably around the age of six, just not talking about pornography specifically at that age, but explaining to them the dangers of the Internet, explaining to them that if they do happen to come across anything that they don't understand or that upsets them, that they should immediately come to us as parents um, to talk about that and that, you know, we won't be angry with them, that we will just, you know, talk them through. As they get a little bit older into perhaps the early teen years, perhaps even preteen we can even start to talk to them about the fact that there is this thing called mm. pornography on the mm. internet, you know, that if they are exposed again, that they should come and talk to us. And I think the key is is opening lines of communication yeah, definitely. With, with your kids. Yeah. Yeah, I know um, even with our own daughter, we were kind of saying, okay, well, we've, we need to put these measures in place so that we know that you're safe. And she kept saying, well, you know, I know that there's bad things that that are on the internet, and I know that you need to, you know, keep me safe from these things. But we realized she had no idea what we were keeping her safe from. Right. What were the bad things? She just right. didn't have any clue. I mean, she's only ten. Mm. I say only ten, um, but as you say, perhaps in the from ten, you start saying, well, actually, this is what we're referring to, right. uh, just to preempt that and to give them the knowledge that they need Mm. but um, it's a scary thing that Mm. uh, the kids are being exposed to pornography and things that they shouldn't be seeing younger and younger Mm. and yeah it's 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 quite daunting as a parent I would say and I think that as you say we can put the those protections in place and we should do that Mm. but uh, then they go to school and they have a friend who has a phone even if they don't Mm -hmm. or they go to a party or uh, they go outside of that zone of protection, uh, and that's where, uh, while we must do what we can to protect and and limit mm. exposure, uh, we also have to prepare them for, I won't say inevitable, but uh, the maybe the likely mm. possibility that they're going to come across this at some point, mm. uh, and then how they deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so much of the amount of damage that is done is actually based on parental response. Not all of it. There is some damage that is just done by viewing that image. And, of course, it depends what the image is or, mm. or, or whether it's a video or, or that sort of mm. thing. But so much is, is based on, on our response. You know, if our response as parents is judgmental of them, <laughs> is angry, is, yeah. is punishing, they're immediately going to, first of all, shut down, not communicate with us ever again about that particular yes. issue. Mm. And they're going to immediately go into a space of guilt and shame, mm. which, as we've seen, can be the forebearers of pornography addiction. Mm. Whereas if we are actually able to talk through that um, experience with them, we can probably actually heal that experience right there and then. Yes. Mm. I say to parents, you know, you, you need to ask your children questions. Mm. You need to know what they've seen. And sometimes that can actually mean going and having a look at what they've seen so that you know what they've seen. Yeah. You need to obviously explain it to them in different ways. If it is pornography that is depicting fairly normal sexuality, you can explain to them, this is fairly normal sexuality. You know, it's not good that there's been pictures or video taken of it. Mm. It's not good that, that this is out there on the internet, but mm. this is normal. Yeah. If it's perverse sexuality or paraphilias, um, you know, then it would be be important to explain that to him and them in a different sort of way mm-hmm. to explain to them that this is not normal mm-hmm. and in the case of of sort of very perverse sexuality or paraphilias like um, violence um, rape child um, abuse those sorts of pornography you're going to want to take that child for some professional help to okay. get through mm-hmm. that experience yeah. well Claire thanks so much for being with us. My Thank pleasure. you so much, Claire. It's been really great to have you on My the pleasure. show. Well, what a great conversation that was again with Claire Moore. And if you missed the first part of the program yesterday, you can find it on our website, podcast, or our Focus Africa app. It's so important to speak about this issue of pornography and to offer those who may have become addicted a helpline. And that's been the aim to give information, not bring shame, and ultimately offer hope and freedom to those who are struggling. The resource we're offering is called The Road to Freedom, Healing from Your Hurts, Hang-Ups, and Habits. We also have a free online resource on our website at safamily.co.za. It's a six-part video series called Discovering God's Freedom from Pornography. And as I mentioned yesterday, we have caring Christian counselors just a click or a phone call away if you're needing help in this area. There are a range of ways to connect with our counseling team, which you'll see on our website on the counseling page. Or you can give us a call on 031-716-3300. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa. Please be sure to tune in next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.